Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, ladies and gents, it's that time. Turn up your speakers, strap on a smile. It's the Sims and Lefko Podcast. Here's your host, Adam Lefko and Chris Sims. Hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now, hey now. Hey, bada, 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 swing, bada. This can he hit, can he hit, can he hit? This is like the end of an era right now. This is the last Audio only Sims and Lefko podcast. This is the last time I have to hold this stupid mic up to my face. Yes, and be in a side office and twenty-eight episodes in. Twenty-eight episodes in. This Who is knew? the last one. I was literally sitting with Fendrick today, going over plans on video, looking at graphics and stuff. We're finally making the big time, Chris. I'm excited about it. I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, I did see a picture of the set that looks awesome. It does look cool. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm actually excited about this thing this year. This last year, big pain in the butt. Did not like this big, podcast. And now, and we're going to be featured prominently on Bleacher Report. So we're all very excited. I certainly hope. Yeah, yeah I hope. Hey, Finocchio, help us out, brother. Uh, he already did help us out. <laughs> hey, Finocchio, we like that hey, you appreciate said, it. Hey, yep. Uh, we boss speaks, things get done. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, I want to break down, you know, the whole RG3 thing. I'm going to talk about Eli, San Francisco. Uh, and, and we never actually, I realized, never talked about Rayo's oh, uh, right. and the restaurant. And uh, apparently, uh-huh. so we, we have a lot of stuff to get to. But first, um, I was doing a video uh, with Michael Felder, and we were talking about J.J. Watt. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was hesitant about this season of Hard Knocks. I wasn't the biggest fan. Right. But Billy O'Brien has grown on me a lot. Um, and J.J. Watt, to me, is fascinating. So Felder was laughing. He goes, man, he is so corny. He's like a nerd. And by the way, I want to give it a shout-out to Felder. He is on the multiple appearance Mount Rushmore. I blew that one. I you absolutely that blew it. 100% my Felder fault. Felder was actually the first person to be on our podcast multiple times before Big Phil. Really? I, they I, both came on the same episode. Yep. Oh, you're right. Felder was I forgot here. about that. Yeah. Felder was here, yeah. Right. And, and I'll tell you what, JJ is actually getting a lot of crap. Um, one, because of the rapping that he did this season on Hard Knocks right. to the song Remember the Name by Fort Minor. Right. He's wearing the backwards hat, drinking a Gatorade. He'd be like, 5% hustle, 7% pain. And it was just like a very corny moment yes. for J.J. Watt. Uh, I'm watching the last episode, which you saw, and he, he's telling uh, the, the wide receiver, Easy, 
Yeah, man, I, I go to bed at like 8.30, 9 o'clock. Right. I have to get my sleep 10 hours. He says it's a very corny lifestyle. I couldn't if you if you offered me a thousand dollars, I don't think I can get to bed at eight thirty. <laughs> I would be sitting there. I, I I don't know how I would. I mean, I would have to just Nyquil it up. Like I got nothing. Yeah, right. So um, and, and that's and of course you see. Well, like, you can see his days a little more energetic and physical. Yeah, he, yeah uh, he's getting yours. a little tired. <laughs> um, and like the late night work on the dummy, and it's funny because you go around. And you talk to fans, and they go, that's how I'd want my player to be. Right. And Felder was like, man, I, I can't even handle it. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, this is what you ask for out of a professional athlete. He goes, right. no, he's a captain tryhard. And I said, what's a captain tryhard? He said, every team has the guy that's like, come on, guys. Let's put in full max effort. He said, the difference is, and props to him because I think it's a great take. He goes, the difference is those guys flame out in college. Or they're like the super hustle guy that gets like the walk-on to a scholarship. You're right. They don't turn into the JJ best Watt, player right. in the NFL. Right. You rarely get athleticism. Like Rudy. Yeah, Rudy never becomes the best player in the NFL. Peyton Manning would be the other guy on the offensive side of the ball. That would be I have I have a list of other captain tryhards. Peyton Manning is there. Okay. Andrew Luck is there. Okay. And I think Russell Wilson's there. And they're all quarterbacks. Right. Which is funny because you don't see a lot of defensive captain tryhards. Right. Um, I'm curious. Have you? Who are the the captain tryhards that you've played with in your career? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Listen, he's he's a nerd. There's no doubt about it. Nerd alert uh, for JJ Watt. Uh, but at the same time, when you're as talented as he is, uh, everyone thinks you're cool in the NFL locker room. The coaches, they don't care. I mean, they don't, when you're that good, when you're that good, if you're a gangster, if you're a nerd, if you're just in between, whatever it is, if you're producing, you're cool. Man, everything you say is cool. Ha! You see, JJ, he's funny, right? Yeah. If he wasn't getting sacks, they'd be like, "Man, get him away from me. He's <laughs> such a nerd." Uh, I, the first guy that jumped to my mind when you said it, Captain uh, Tryhard, Captain Tryhard would probably have been like a John Lynch or a Derek uh, Brooks, both. Derek Brooks, Derek really? Brooks would have been the same way as well. Yes, uh, definitely a little bit cheerleady. Definitely maybe micromanaging or analyzing like a Wednesday practice that's meaningless a little too much, but also. In their defense, that's what makes them great. 100%. And that's what makes J.J. Watt great as well. Yes, and that's the thing is it's, it's guys that seem to not have a life outside of football, that yes. that is everything. And it's so funny. It's this dichotomy that we want our athletes to have a personality right. and to be more dynamic. But then also we celebrate the guys that that's all they do. Yes. Um, they are defined by that. I, I'm curious. Two questions about that in a locker room. When your leader is a captain tryhard, how beneficial is it? Can it be for the team when your best player is also setting the best example? Uh, it's it's everything. It really is. Uh, that's why he's loved through the organization. It's just, uh, hey, this is our best player. Just think about anything. Our most valuable asset. Why is he the most valuable? Yeah, he's the most talented. But man, he's the one, the hardest worker on and off the field. Right. He he's is the example there. all the time. He's the best cheerleader during practice for the second and third team. Sure. Uh, and you know. I love him from this standpoint. He gets underneath the skin of some of those offensive guys, he does. too. They might He's not show the whole it. Time. Right, never shuts up. Trust me, those off- offensive linemen, if they were mic'd up and they were walking away, they'd be like, you'd probably hear, like, J.J., would he shut the ugh? I yeah. can't stand him. they probably say that a few times a day because he, he likes to stir the pot. Right. He likes to say, oh, let's get them pissed off. Let's see if they can get make right. us better, and I do like that. So that is common sense to me that when your best player is also your hardest worker, right. it's great because it's the ultimate lesson. Right. My other question is, because we saw it a few times, Pascaloni, defensive line coach, being like, oh, what a play. Oh, what a play. J.J. is great. <laughs> 
can it also cause resentment in the team? Now, if he's producing, even if he's producing, can it cause resentment? Because yeah. you were saying if he's not producing, it's like, oh, man, he's getting all this attention and blah, blah, blah. But can it be a bad thing? Yeah, to a degree. Uh, nothing that I think is going to be team-altering or really change the performance on the field. But, yeah, you might get guys in the locker room, especially the defensive side of the ball, that they're just going to get a little sick of hearing it all the time. Yeah. Like, can we just come in here and – you know, we always talk about J.J., but I know what's-his-name over here was playing, made a few good plays, and we didn't watch that because mm. J.J. made a play and nobody gave him respect. Do you? What do you think Brian Cushing thinks of J.J. Watt? Uh, he probably loves him. I you mean, think Brian, so? Yeah, I do. Brian Cushing, first of all, uh, you know, grew up not far from me in Jersey, uh, so he's got a little Jersey attitude. I do. I, I really like Brian Cushing as a person, uh, even as a player. Even through this, I think it's yeah. shown well on him, oh. even though he can't spell spaghetti. Uh, or, or opportunity. He, he probably loves him in a lot of ways and yet is cool enough to realize that like uh, JJ's a dork but yeah. who, who really cares we're in this together spell spaghetti S-P-A-G-H-E-T-T-I alright spell opportunity oh that yeah that one was not the easier one I thought O-P-P-O-R-T-U-N-I-T-Y yeah I don't know how they didn't spell that no, well, that was <laughs> really bad that's when you hear uh <laughs> We didn't draft him because he didn't get a good Wonderlick score. <laughs> uh, now, I'm curious. So, like, when you have the captain try hard like a J.J. Watt, do you think a guy like Terrell Suggs, who is a super leader, right. would get along with a J.J. Watt? Or uh, do you think that they'd be like, yo, stop being, a, in the words of Pierre Garçon, a f- Boy. Right. No, you know no. I, they would get along. You they would. Because yeah. production trumps everything. Produ- production trumps everything. Respect trumps everything. Uh, Terrell Suggs, yeah, he might not go about the daily business the same way. Do you think there's way. anyone in the NFL that he doesn't might respect a, J.J. He, Watt? No, I don't. I don't okay. think there's anybody. But T- Terrell Suggs might be the type of guy that could you know, also call out J.J. a little bit more in the locker room. Yeah. Just even for nerd stuff that he does. Like, oh, you're such a nerd because – or he might even, you know, take a few more jabs than everybody else because J.J. Yeah. Watt would probably be like one guy he'd be reluctant to go get, sure. get in their face or make fun of would be a Terrell Suggs. Oh, because he's just – But Terrell Suggs is an ultimate professional as well. He right. really is. Uh, just a different different approach, a different style. Everybody as far has as their own style. Exactly. And I started to try to think of other sports. Who are the really successful – Like, I think LeBron's a nerd. I do. Uh, I would. But I you would, know what? But like, I'm seeing him. I'm seeing him do movies. I'm seeing him. I heard he's really good in that movie. Actually, I, I my, never saw. Two of my friends said he. Trainwreck. Yeah. Yeah. He was great. He they, was hilarious. They really said they said the he was funniest. Exactly. One of the funniest parts of the movie. He's like the fourth or fifth person I've heard that from. They say he's really funny. Like he came off natural, which is cool. And I was trying to think of other Captain Tryhards, and and Fendrick was giving me some earlier. Tiger Woods definitely. Everyone thought he was a Captain Tryhard. Right. And we learned that he was a fake Captain Tryhard. Yes. Dude was just out there doing whatever he wanted to do and he was a baller so it didn't matter Derek Jeter not a captain tryhard he's a captain right not a captain tryhard he's too cool to be a captain tryhard no you know and I mean because J.J. Watt is not out there dating Hannah Davis J.J. Watt is dating film and sleep yeah I mean captain tryhards are usually like hey guys let's gather out take a knee and listen to the head coach and J.J. Watt's right in the front and every word Bill O'Brien says, he's like, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Like he's, you know, over uh-huh. – like, like the person that was in class when you were like, he's not even listening. But right, he's, like, like – J.J. Dun- Watt was dating Caroline Wozniacki, though, after the – I'm just throwing that out there. Booyah! He was yeah, dating that Caroline Wozniacki. Even, that's not even – Does it resonate for you? 
No. Another okay. Captain Tryhard have been like a Wes Welker would be a good Captain Tryhard. I don't. A little bit. I, I disagree. I've well, seen Wes Welker party hard. I, I, yeah, I guess I'm not looking at that. I'm looking more of the football standpoint. You're right. Maybe well, not oh, you're talking. So you've like uh, I could see Brady kind of being a Captain Tryhard. Yeah, I, I think so too. Brady it's has a lot, a lot of quarterbacks. He, he, yeah, quarterbacks. That's why they want them to lead yeah. their team. So I thought. I thought you know Tim Duncan is kind of a Captain Tryhard right. in terms of sitting there and he's like, listen to pop, listen to pop. <laughs> and then the other one I'm kind of thinking right now is Steph Curry. Just in terms of he he has this polished reputation, and then I started to think, wow, like Steph Curry can't do anything wrong. No, he cannot right now. J.J. Watt can't do anything wrong. No. Out of those two guys, who is the more polished, like, do-gooder that that – the fans love, and there's just no hate for them at all. Yeah, I, they're both at the top of the list. You're right about that. I, I, I want to say J.J. Watt just because he's like Mr. Good American, mid Midwestern boy. You know, yeah, but has Steph that, has the daughter. I, he's yes. got the all-American family. Right. He's got the supportive wife. He's got the pretty mom. He's got the dad that played there as well. Right. And they're rooting him on. And See, that's and, where, and, that's where and, he and, loses, though. That's where he would lose. Okay, and why? Just because he's, or he's, he's from a family that most of America can't relate to. Where J.J. Watt, they're like, oh, middle America, try hard, good story right here. He just yeah. put in the hard work and he made it. But I would say this. Right. Most Americans are not 6'5", 290, and the small statured Steph Curry is like all of us. <laughs> we can we can beat good. LeBron James. Sure, sure. You know? Yeah, I, I see your side. Definitely. Who would you rather be? Uh, who would I rather be? Man, I would rather be, oof, that's a good one. I guess I, hmm. I mean, I guess realistically, if for a full career, I'd rather be Steph Curry. Yes, because well, an NBA player. I, exactly. But I think if you gave me like one year, I'd probably pick J.J. Watt. So I would, you'd rather smash people for a year than J.J. Watt? Because to me, being deadly from anywhere on the court. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And just to own arenas. But I will say like being feared. It's like, would you rather inspire or inflict fear? Yeah, to be feared. And then like, oh. you know, we've said this before, you and I, like, what's it feel like to be strong enough to just be like, oh, yeah, this guy's 315. Let me throw him off with one arm yeah. and then throw the other guy off and go run and tackle him. Like, what does that feel like to oh. just be like, that's there's really no man on earth that's going to come in here and move me around. It's the same thing. It's like, would you ra- – oh, here's one. Ready? Would you rather – Hit a hit a really deep three of Steph Curry to win a game. Right. Would you rather sack a quarterback as JJ Watt blowing up an offensive line to win a game? Right. Or would you rather be a Giancarlo Stanton and hit like a five hundred foot bomb to win a game? Oh, man, there was a, those are all really good ones. Like that, those are like the coolest feelings in sports. They are. Those, that's up there. I honestly think you know mm, the sacking the quarterback is cool, but I'm going Steph Curry. Yeah, I, I think Hitting it would be shot. I think Steph hearing, or hearing Giancarlo would be boy. my. I would pick both of those. I think over the because the bat Watt. flip, yeah. the yes. home run to me. I think is the, <laughs> right. I think the home run is the no brainer because you get because, the power aggression out, yeah. and then you get the explosion of the, the fans, the individualism of that moment, right. yes, and then being celebrated by your teammates at home plate. I don't think anything. I actually cool. the reason I think home run is the best is because there is a four to five second gap when everyone knows that you just did something special, and then it has to be confirmed by going over. You don't celebrate the shot until it goes in. You right. don't celebrate the sack till it goes down. But as soon as it comes off the bat and you see everybody shoot out their seats, they're watching what you just accomplished. Yes, yes. that's a really cool feeling. All right, we're going to have Steven Nelson coming in in a second. He's going to kind of give us on the down low with Steven Nelson. I want to do some news and notes. First up, RG3, 
Uh, I don't want to get into all the, the nonsense yeah. that surrounds him. I, it's reached the point where I feel bad for the guy. Uh, we, we've, we said that last week. But he gets benched for Kirk Cousins. Right. The right decision. Is it the right decision? Yeah, the right decision. I mean, he has not played well. Uh, you, you know, we've, we've, we've broken it down really already. Just, hey, it's really a lot of the same issues, whether it's making reads within the pocket, just natural feel within the pocket, all those things. And from the few friends that I do have in the NFL, they all have said that Kirk Cousins has outperformed him all at training camp, just gotcha. like he did last year. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, Kirk Cousins. What are you hearing about RG3's prep? Preparation during the offseason, uh, physically and mentally. Physically, I've always been told it's pretty good. I mean, I remember when they did a ESPN did a little documentary on him, and he's one of the most athletic guys in the NFL. He is, yes, but, but mentally, he has never been able to. Is it not putting in the time, or is it not grasping the concepts? Uh, I I think it's a little bit of both of those, but more than anything, I think it's a little bit more of insecurity and not being able to take the coaching. Uh, as I, I've been told by a lot of people, it's a little bit like when you tell them there's something wrong or he's not doing he's like, you, you don't like what I do? or So he almost blocks it out. Like, right. am I doing something wrong? So I think that's really the big issue. He cannot take the constructive criticism yes. on a daily basis. And then as an NFL quarterback, constructive criticism is your life. I mean, that's your life. John Gruden – I could have the best practice in the world. John Gruden was going to come in there and I – can guarantee he's going to find four or five things to rip my ass with, no matter what it was. How long did it take you to get from being self-conscious to going? This is part of being in the NFL. Uh, I really, I, I felt like I got it really in the in college. I realized, that. of course, that I had a little bit of an advantage of knowing, you know, what my dad went through, things like that. Sure. Uh, did you ever see your dad get chewed out for stuff? Definitely. What was? I def- mean, he, do you I'm, remember any of those? Mo- like, what's a moment that just popped in your head? Well, I mean, right away, I just think of like NFL films, Bill yelling at him on the sidelines or whatever it is i mean yeah i mean i, I don't know if there's been a a more Chewed volatile <laughs> volatile relationship between a quarterback and a head coach you know either than my dad and bill parcells or maybe like a rich gannon and a john gruden yeah i mean back in those days you could actually hear rich gannon telling john to shut the f up when he was underneath the center because wow. john would be yelling something at him but uh yeah it's just part of the game you, yeah you, i i did, my did your time, dad like tell you hey listen just be be ready for this. Yeah, he would always just be like, "Hey, this is a man's game, and yeah. you're and as a quarterback, you're a leader of men." What's fascinating to me is we talk about when you're a football player, you get built up so much in terms of ego. No one is stronger than you. No one is faster. Than you. No one prepares harder. But at the same time, you need to drop that ego immediately and get taught by a coach. Yes. And I can imagine that's hard for somebody. Yeah, it is, and I think it's it's shocking at times. But I think if you look at some of the successful teams around the NFL. That's the one thing they got in common, like starting with New England. You've, you've heard the stories. Veterans who go in there as free agents, they're shocked at the way Bill Belichick talks to Tom Brady in front of the team. They can't believe it. No, Tom's not a baby in that way. Tom is – he understands Bill's got the best interest of the team, the best interest of him, Tom Brady, as a player. Yeah. And he's going to convey the message to the rest of the team saying, hey, uh, Tommy boy, I know you've uh, got MVPs and Super Bowl rings, but uh, you're not perfect and I'm still king around here. Yeah. And, and by showing him that, that humbles the rest of the team. Um, I don't want to ask how RG3 fixes this because everyone says the same thing. Shut up. Yeah. Study and work on your game. Right? I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Do you think personality-wise, RG3 will be able to st- – it's hard, man. Stop being self-conscious, or do you think it's just ingrained in him right now? Uh, it is ingrained in him, yes. I, 
I have faith that you can change. I mean, listen, men change. You grow up. You start yeah. to realize the mistakes you've made. Hopefully, he can self-evaluate at some point. Is a change of scenery necessary at this point? <sighs> I don't think it is because I, I I am a little scared if he left somewhere, right? No one's going to want RG3, so that's not even a possibility in my mind. Nobody. There's like... Jason Cole reported that the Eagles no, were it was, it was Mike Freeman. Mike Freeman reported. Freeman said the Eagles and the Browns and the Cowboys. I could see Chip Kelly maybe working some magic there. I mean, heck, he's bringing in Tebow. Well, I mean, exactly, and that, that makes sense. You know what? I don't think he'd bring – I don't think he's a fit there at all. Everyone thinks that Chip Kelly wants mobile. You know why Sam Bradford looks amazing? Because he's a good decision maker. He's a maker, great thrower. And he's a good thrower of the right, football. Right. This offense is not – it's just not a spread, run, and shoot Agreed. type of thing. Uh, but I do have faith. But I he think could do it. He needs to stay there. He needs to stay right where he is. Be a backup. Sit there on the sidelines. He's gonna. I, I said it to you before. One thing I, you know, when I had ever had struggles, whether it be in college or the pros, yeah. If I got benched, whatever it may be, you go to the sidelines. Oh, now you sit there for a game or whatever. And you evaluate the game on the side, and you go, "Why was I making this so hard? Uh, uh, you know, what what was I doing? I'm trapped in my own mind, in yeah. my own body, making more out of this than it really should be. Guys, open, throw it. There yeah. he is. Uh, I think he needs all of that." Uh, but he does need to find the right man as far as guidance. And the unfortunate thing is he had the right man. He ruined it with the Shanahan family. They did everything they could, Mike and Kyle, for the benefit of RG3, but he didn't want to hear it, didn't want to take the coaching. Yeah. I wonder how he feels now. I wonder if he goes, man, that last coaching staff I had wasn't so bad, actually. I'll, I'll tell you what. If you can get into his mindset, which I don't think people do enough – he goes in there, his first year really starting at Baylor, he wins the Heisman Trophy. He's putting up insane numbers. Right. He gets a, an army of Rams traded, future Rams, for him at the second pick of the draft. Comes in his rookie year. So this is all over like a two-year span. Yes. Takes this team from absolute dregs of the NFC East to the playoffs, deemed a savior, gets injured in the last game, and then gets treated like the victim. So for about a year and a half span, he's treated like God's gift – and then for another year, he's treated like the the, the one that I, I can't believe your coach would do this to. Everyone was babying him. Right. So he's getting celebration and babying. And now we're going, why do you think you're so good? Because for two years, we've been treating him like a crystal doll. He's. Been, I feel like he's probably been treated like that his whole life. That's really probably the the root of the issue. Right. And I'll say that, well, of course, Dan Snyder's treating him like that. And still. he has an enabler there. So that ruins it there. But I, the, and, and I could be totally off of this. I'm not accusing anybody, but... The one thing I'll say, I have a feeling that he was uh, almost brought up to that degree a little bit. So? I do just for, from this one standpoint. I'm just going to throw out there. It's food for thought. Yeah. But he gets hurt, right? Uh, I can't remember. That was two years ago. Gets hurt in one of the football games. I can't remember the playoff exact game. game. It might have been the playoff game. It might have been the next year, actually, I think. Okay. Uh, he gets in there, but he got hurt, banged up in one of the games. And his dad came forward exact, and said something. Well, his dad was in the locker room after the game, and yeah. it was like not even like he was hurt. It was like he had been benched, or I can't remember. It was nothing. Yeah. It was nothing. It was just to check on his mental state. That tells me he might have been babied a little Big too Phil, much. Big Phil the, wasn't coming into Tampa Bay. Are you kidding me? Big <laughs> Phil would have. I mean, I don't think Big Phil would have came to like my eighth grade recreation. If How would I, you have reacted if your father walked into a locker room? I mean, he never would have done it. So no, there's not even I, a way for you to think about it, your reaction. It's not. But I literally would have been like, Dad, you know. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah. Like I'll see you outside. The it's party. that insane to see a dad in an NFL locker it's, room. It's the only time you want to see a dad in a locker room. Maybe if the guy had like a season-ending injury, right? right. Tore his knee up, broke yeah. his leg, whatever it is. The dad's down there just to sit there with him through X-rays. Yep. Maybe hobble from the X-ray room to the locker room. Yeah, help but him. You're not talking. 
But no, not we don't want to come in the locker room and then yes. there's dad to sit by you at the locker room because it was a tough midseason yeah. loss. What? All right, I want to move on to uh, you've been watching a lot of film of the preseason, getting a good grasp. I'm excited for this year because I, I don't think I've ever felt more prepared for an NFL season yeah. just looking at it. Right. Um, you've been watching Eli. It was a big offseason in terms of discussion about whether he should be the highest paid quarterback. He then negated those comments. Um, but there's going to be a lot of attention because his numbers were pretty solid last year, right. and the expectations for this offense are very high. How does he look right now? Well, you got to be careful about last year. It's you know numbers are solid, but numbers were solid in a lot of non-competitive, meaningless of football games. games, right? So I, I do put stock into that. You know, it's easy to go out there and let it fly when there's no pressure in the situation, and you're playing teams that really could care less about you as well. You uh, predicted the Giants would go to the playoffs. How, what do you think? I'm, of this? I'm yeah, I'm feeling a little shaky about that they got issues uh, all over their team really uh and and just just answering your question about Eli uh listen Eli like I've always said greatest giant quarterback of all time certainly still really good but to me he has justified the fact in the first few preseason games of there's no way you can pay Phil uh Eli Manning the same money as Philip Rivers Ben Roethlisberger Aaron Rodgers to even say he deserves to be in that top end market as far as money is concerned uh, to me, he has justified that with his play. He is not one of the five, one of the ten best quarterbacks in football. He's around that 10 to 12 mark, 10 to 15. Mm. Is he clutch? Uh, sure. Will big situations, he's not going to be uh, enamored or out of place. Those are things that I do put stock into as a big-time NFL sure. quarterback. But I don't ever evaluate Eli at this point in his career and go, oh, wow, what a great athlete or, oh, what a great thrower. Uh, there's been a lot of – yeah, it, it has not looked good from his standpoint uh, or the offense altogether, really, in the past game. Let me ask you this. So, obviously, he's in the final year of his contract. Right. What would you say you would you would bet on in terms of odds that he is not a New York Giant next season? <sighs> obviously, it depends on how well they do this yeah. year. But right now, what do you think the odds are? I, I think Because it would be hard to see him in another jersey. Yeah, I think they're low. I still think at the end of the day, the Giants got to bring him back, even if they're having concerns. And, do you and, think the organization would feel obligated to bring him back, even I, if he didn't have that great of a year? I think the public pressure, this is where the media and public pressure can play into situations like this. Because you hear it here, oh, excuse me, all around New York right now, right? Why don't they just get this Eli thing done? I mean, just pay him. He won two Super Bowls. Great. He won two Super Bowls. This is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. Yeah. No one really cares. We've talked about that before. Are, we the love Giants, are the Giants an organization that is able to, to forward think and not pay for past accomplishments? I, I, I think they are, yes. I do think the Giants are able to do that. That's why I think they're kind of always around. They're one of the top organizations in, in sports, in my opinion, from that standpoint. Uh, yes, I think they're going to find a realistic way to get it done with Eli uh, with a realistic number. He certainly deserves to make uh, maybe Andy Dalton, Jay Cutler Alex money. Smith, right? I mean, I, I have no problem with that. That's crazy. totally yeah, right, which is crazy. <laughs> but that goes back to our conversation of about course. quarterbacks get too money, too much money, anyways. Uh, but yes, to say that. He's even in that class of the upper-paid quarterbacks. No, that that's not being fair to those quarterbacks. One other game that I know you were you dove into Niners Broncos. Um, one of the big questions we had about this Niners team, and it looks like Navarro Bowman's gonna be back in a big way. Yeah, what is this offense gonna look like under Jeep Crest? So you've been studying the film schematically. What is he gonna do with Colin Kaepernick this season? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're you sound dejected. I, I am dejected because they're a team I kind of root for. And, uh, 
Yeah, their offense is troubling. It it's one of the worst in so football. So when when you look at a team schematically, like you obviously think that Daryl Bevel runs a very simple, boring offense. Yes. What do you mean by that? So like, what are you not seeing by the Forty ers right now? Yeah, the Forty ers do nothing to give their players a schematical advantage. There's never uh, some interesting, even just pick plays or let's find an easy completion where we can, you know, motion a guy down into the bunch, and now the two guys in front of them go downfield, and we let that guy work on the middle linebacker, our best receiver, work one-on-one against the middle so linebacker. So just like so, different looks. Different looks. Are you looks. like they're lining up in the same thing all the time? Same thing all the time. And then the the actual plays themselves, the schematical plays, Yeah, they're, they're, they're plays that just let's take the Denver Broncos because they played them. The Denver Broncos, the plays this 49ers ran against them, the Broncos have already defended a thousand times this year because they're like – all that you run the first two or three, five days of training camp, OTAs, they're already like, what? We, we've, we're already on, we're on to geometry. You guys are still doing four plus four, huh? Could they be just protecting some of their plays at this preseason, or do you kind of work it out there? Like- to a degree, but no, I, you know, you can also take the other approach in the preseason and just say, you know what? We need to expand our offense. We need to get our quarterback reps. Let's throw everything in the kitchen sink at these defenses. Make them prepare for everything. That's what Gruden did that a few times in my career where he said, I'm not going to be conservative this preseason. We're going to do 9 million freaking plays yeah. and make that first team we play that we have to try to defend everything. Uh, so you can take that approach as right. well. But no, I, there's Jeep Chris is a first-time play caller. The details of the offense do not look good, whether it be missed blocks, whether it be two receivers right next to each other running routes down the field, uh, whether they break the huddle and I see receivers talking to each other uh, or Colin Kaepernick trying to talk to the offensive line. So All it's a of mess. it is a little bit of troubling to me right now. How does Kaepernick look as a thrower of the football well he's he's a good thrower of the football I don't ever how are his decision making that you've seen you know that that was what did I tell you today I've watched the last two games uh the Cowboys and uh of course the Broncos and I've seen maybe one receiver open in both games really so there's not even any open there's nobody no that's that's what I always say about him and Russell Wilson and and it's unfortunate see Seattle still has more talent so they can get away with some of it now, I think it's going to hurt them this year because they're not going to just be able to physically overpower everybody. Yeah. But, yeah, I turn on those films too much and go, well, where would you like them to throw it? Right. Everybody is covered. There's nowhere. Not even. I'm not even talking like – I'm not even saying like, oh, wow, that was a tight window. It's like, no, they're blanketed. There's nowhere to throw it. He's stupid to even try to throw it. It's interesting that two of the best weapons in the NFL right now, Kaepernick and Wilson, are playing for offensive coordinators that seem to be non-creative when if they were creative – Holy moly, they'd be great. Holy moly. It goes back to the thing I was saying before. Is there any surprise that two quarterbacks that are known to not protect the football, Jay Cutler and Matt Stafford, both played under Mike Martz, a coach that says, hey, let's push it, let's throw it. Yeah. And now they have this, this, this moniker that they're, they're turnover prone. Well, no, maybe they just played in a system that was asking them to do that. You made that point to me last week, and that was a very good point because I had never really thought about that with the Mike Martz thing. You're right. Mike Martz certainly – in a lot of ways, could set a quarterback back a little bit it's a, because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a very much an offense where he goes, hey, hit this seventh step, and I want you to throw it right there, thirty yards down the field. Uh, that can be good for a quarterback, but it also yes can make them push the envelope and be a little careless with the ball as well. Um, Trent Richardson cut, shocker. 
My, my question is, I mean, you saw him. I know. What did you think of him coming out of college, and how did he get to be the third pick in the draft? Yeah, well, he certainly was really good in college. There's no doubt about it. I was up in, uh, in New England working you know, the, in the front office a little there when he was coming out. Um, he was a player, though, I will say this. He got worse every year he was in college. I always thought that. He really? Got, he got worse every year he was in college, a little bit like – almost like a little bit Mark Ingram-ish in that way, uh, also the Alabama running back. But, yes, and the other thing I think – is, you know, listen, he took a lot of wear and tear in college as well. It's a lot of collisions. He's not a big man. He's thick and muscular. Super tiny. Yes, but he's tiny man. And um, I always will stand by the fact that he got too big. He's just too muscular, too big. He can't even he can't even lift his knees up when he runs. You watch him run. I mean, it's like he's like uh, Fred Flintstone in the cart. <laughs> like it's, it's he can't even go. So uh, I, I do think weightlifting has gotten in his way a little bit that yeah. way. Uh, I do think some of the mental side of it. And at the end of the day, let's be serious. Alabama, when he was there, they were the best team in college football. They had the best offensive line in football. Oh, like the DJ Flukers and, and all these right. guys. Right, and they were op- – like they, the, hey, Trent, the hole's going to be here. It was there every time. Oh, oh, that hole, yeah, I'll go through that. And the NFL, the hole is rarely where it is designed to be. And if it is and there, it's there for a split it's second. It's there for a split second. You're exactly right. And that was really his biggest issue, his vision – is as a runner, I think is some of the worst I've seen the last years last year in football. He runs into more offensive linemen's butts than I've ever seen uh, that I can remember in recent history. All right, Nelson's going to be here in a few minutes. I wanted to have this conversation now because this is the part of the podcast where we get to relax and talk about little non-football things. Um, what you got a haircut recently, <laughs> and then you had to get a new haircut recently, right? Um, because I think the funny thing is guys can attest to this. When you get a barber, right? that's like a decision that you make and you're like, oh, don't have to make that decision for like the rest of my life right? because I don't want to change. Right. So your guy left you? Yeah, my guy left me. Uh, he left a few weeks ago. And the reason – so then I got a few uh, – more than a few weeks ago. But Let then, me just state this. How much were you paying your guy? My guy, uh, I think I was paying anywhere from 90 to 110 Right, you're lying to me. No, no, for that one I was from like ninety to one ten. Which now, is I an used to go see. Amount. I used to go see John Barrett, who's in, on the top of Burdorf Goodman, and John Barrett cuts a lot of big timers' hair. Now I used to pay like three hundred dollars a haircut for that. Uh, yes. Um, and what does it? I mean, if I'm paying three hundred dollars for a haircut, right, listen, my it, hair is going to talk. Is it overdone? Sure, uh, but did there, it like there last is a, longer? It does. Yes, it does. And what? he could, he could buzz me with his clippers. To where I would have a buzz cut, and then the hair grows in perfectly. There is a difference between a good haircut and a bad haircut. And the reason I got one just a few weeks ago because I tried a new guy. Yeah, yeah. So and it was a pitiful haircut. I had pe- people all over me going, "Who cut your hair?" Getting a hair? haircut by a new person is so scary because I think the phrase "What would you like?" and then you're so used to just kind of sitting down going, you know, how I normally do right. that you have to explain. I want this long. I- guests and the sides i'm not like that i i usually just tell them hey i don't really you know i don't comb my hair i like it messy uh just you know and i just say go ahead do your thing what yeah that scares the crap out of me that's usually what i do how much do you pay for your haircut i pay 15 dollars for my haircut. 15 dollar haircut i go to ace of cuts on 6th street between (laughs) a and b and uh it's 15 bucks free booze before during and after the haircut wi-fi in the barber shop and they do the hot towel massage right. and the neck shave, which that's, I love. That's it's, nice. The hot towel massage is a great touch. My, I go to, um, 
I was going to Warren Tracomi in Greenwich. <laughs> now I'm going to so not Ace of Cuts. Frederick Vakai. Yes, trust me. The girls that walk around my salon are a lot prettier than. Oh, you don't even have girls. Yeah, there in your were salon. no girls oh. at mine, <laughs> and it's not a salon. <laughs> That's like the best. That's why I'm paying an extra hundred dollars right there because there are hot girls walking around. They wash my hair. They condition my hair, and I really do notice a difference in the haircut. And listen, we are. In the entertainment business, Look, I pay I'll, I pay fifty dollars for right. a haircut, and I go to Chieko Watsugami, who <laughs> like is like how dare the cr- you? But no, like she's great. But the funny thing is, like she barely speaks English, so like we just go hi, and she goes hi, and then she cuts, and then I leave. Yes, which is great because I don't need interaction. Right. Um, no, I have a really metrosexual guy <laughs> cutting my hair. Do uh, you talk to him? Yes, I do. Like usually, I, have really good conversations because they usually are. Have somewhat interesting lives in these places. They get, they are, they have a They're little money. A lot of money. They are. They're making money. I uh, just think it's so fascinating. Like I, when I first got to New York, I was doing the seventeen dollar haircut, and they butchered me up three times. Like well, I'm, I gotta- in, I'm into fashion a little, you know that, just a little bit. So I do like the way I look, and then my wife is even more that. Uh, so when when I really need a new haircutter, that's I go to her. Yeah. I know, you know, who should I go to? I'll tell you what, though. What Josh said about the free booze to me is one of the biggest charades out there. Um, I, I told you guys this story. There Charade was, in a negative way? Or yeah, a- absolutely. To me, it's like so stupid. It's like you go to a, it's like, I'm going to buy a car. And it's like, hey, you know what? While you're shopping for a car, we're going to give you a massage. And we're going to give you a free $200 grill. No, it's no, like, no, no, no. I don't care. I want a good car. I don't care about a That's- grill. First of all, they do give me a great haircut. So are you drinking you booze while you're getting a haircut? I can be, if I would like to be. Normally, I'll have like a beer when I go in and then like a beer on the way out. Do you make eye contact in the mirror with the person cutting your hair, or do you watch them cut your hair? Uh, I, I don't really think about it. I'm sure I do all of those. Yes. I'm weird. Yeah. I think about all this stuff. Speaking of hair cutting, we know how Steven Nelson cuts his hair, right? Yeah, so here we are talking about haircuts. Steven Nelson, for a very long time, cut his own hair in the mirror and I think I, we discussed this on the podcast. I and but I know you started going to a person. Are you still cutting your own hair? No, no, I am. Uh, I can't you eat, tell? I go to uh, <laughs> smart. Over I here. guess I can't wear. I guess I can't walk. He's up. not cutting his own hair anymore. No, I can. I can tell. I, I go to Ilya at City Clippers Two. How much you pay him? Second, twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. City yeah. Clippers. So Fendrick Deuce. wins the fifteen dollars. Oh, and then what's yours called? It's got some Ace of Cuts. Ace of Cuts on Sixth Street between A and B. I'm just gonna clip this out and send it to them just yeah. so I get free haircuts. So <laughs> then it'll just be going for booze and a free haircut at that point. Yep, yeah, I don't know. It's free booze. booze. They got gin, whiskey, bourbon, uh, beer. Have you vodka. ordered this? Well, I've I have not drank their liquor yet. I've just had beers when I've gone. At, at City Clippers, there <laughs> are no beverages. There's not even talking. I swear that they might be. Mush, Russian gangsters. I, I don't know. Say Mushin. Yeah. Russian, Mushin Mafia. ranksters. Uh, <laughs> Russian gangsters. Because they, they literally don't say anything. They just, but they're artists. Oh. Uh, so I just let them go to work. Hey, it looks good. You know what else is going to sound good? Mm. <laughs> All right, Him potting it. it up with his apple. We got I got a few burning questions. HBO series Hard Knocks. Continued this week following the Houston Texans. There have been many quality moments, but none more fashionable, shall we say, than the one provided by your old friend Sims. Vince Wilford. Vince Wilford. The massive defensive tackle showed up to work in cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, overalls, and nothing else. My question for you two is, what is an outfit that you've always wanted to wear to work, but... Never had the balls to do so. Ooh. 
I want to say the first thing I want to congratulate Vince for doing it because I thought it was awesome. My favorite underrated part of that moment was Bill O'Brien looks at the camera guy. He goes, can you shoot the players, please? Not realizing Vince was behind him. I thought Vince looked good showing (laughs) off the traps and the shoulders. Um, his body is disgusting. It's ridiculous. If you saw his belly, that's all they, they he, he hid the boar. Oh part. my gosh! It's like you stuffed four turkeys in there. <laughs> I, I don't, I've never been more confused by human not beings stuffing body. the turkeys. You <laughs> actually put turkeys in but there. But then he also's got two turkeys for traps. Yeah. They're well, yes. He he he. Uh, he uh, of course, that's why he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. But so the first thing that comes to mind for me. And it's I, I'm really thrown as I have a pretty good throwback jersey collection. Right. I just have a heart. I don't have the balls to wear jerseys anymore. Right. I just I have a hard time with the grown man wearing jerseys things. I have a Ronnie Lott jersey I love. You should I, do it on the weekends. You could do that. I just I can't walk around the city in a jersey. Right. I just feel really <laughs> stupid. Maybe Sundays during the NFL season you can do it. That, then at least people are like, oh, he's a football fan. I don't even want to wear a jersey to a to a football game. Right. Like, cause I'm, I just feel like that's like, I've seen people with the fitted jerseys. I'm like, what do you think you're going in the game? Like you, you look ridiculous. Right. So that's, that's the one that I don't really have balls wearing. That what, would be yours. What, what about Mr. Fashionable? Yeah, over here? I, I, uh, I thought of Lance Fresh here in our office right away because Lance Fresh, he some, wears some creative, he wears stuff, some creative stuff. I, I think the one thing that I think is somewhat cool, but I don't know if I ever have the, the kahunas to do it is the, uh, and you guys have seen them around New York city. Got like the pants that they're like they're almost like baggy in the crotch area. They kind of come down. You the know joggers I mean? is that what they call? So them? they're like baggy, but they're super tight on the legs. Exactly right. But yeah, yet they have joggers. room down here. Whatever they're called. Uh, but those are kind of cool. I kind of look at them. Some of the guys. You know what's been weird? Bieber look. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whatever. I'm sure some of the one of those. You know what's yeah. been weird living in New York is seeing a lot of the fashion trends before they become big. Yeah, right. And like the one that's big right now is like the tall tee. Like the T-shirts that are going to the knees. I'm like, man, this was cool in Philly like 15 years ago, but it was just white T-shirts that <laughs> right. went down to your ankles. Right. I used to go down. Uh, I used to either go to Harlem uh, when I was home from college or even early days in the NFL, go down to like 25th Street. Yeah. They'd have warehouses of tees, uh, tall tees. Oh, man, I had a bunch. And I used to go in there, and I could pay like literally $5 for like 30 tees. I'd be Foot like, I'm set for the next half Foot of the year. Foot Locker had a deal. It was like five tall tees for 20 bucks. Right. Oh, jack them up. Yeah. All right. Oh. Curveball, what would you want to see Fendrick? Because he's the same thing, pretty much. It's just... I'd like him to be wearing those pants that Sim said, because that would be a, you look like MC Hammer. With a t- I don't with even a, know. I don't even know what these pants look like. With a tight top, yeah, I would. I'd love like to see to Fendrick see in anything other than a button down, a half zip, and Joseph A. Bank shoes. That's what I. Anything other than that, seriously. Like if I saw Fendrick in, I just in wear, if he wore some LeBrons to work one day, I might <laughs> myself. <laughs> I will like, say that holy Fendrick, sh- he didn't wear Doc Siders. <laughs> That's not going to happen anytime soon because I don't have a pair of LeBrons in my closet. All right, we're going to have to work on that. Yeah, we can work. I will talk yeah, to Lance Fresh. Yeah, yeah. I like that one. I like that one. DJ Fendrick, <laughs> spin that. Sh- I like this one. I'm excited for this one on video because of this part. Oh, we can all. Do you know what he's about to say? No, have no you guys talked. Okay. okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I just meant like yeah, the beat. Yeah, I got you. This is the year of speed in golf. Jordan Spieth completed one of the greatest major championship seasons of all time. Two wins, a T4 finish, and a runner-up, all while being 54 under par. He Ooh. recently threw out the first pitch at Fenway Park for a Red Sox I game. saw it. I saw it. I watched it. Left-handed, by the way. I know, left-handed. Sense. I know. He's a, but he swings the golf club righty. And he I'm, went to Texas. Just like I'm right-handed and swing golf. Ah. Lefty. He threw a nice ball. I watched it last night. My question for you two is... I watched is, it last night. Sorry. Which... 
ceremonial event at a sporting event would you be most scared to participate in? The first pitch at a baseball game, a half-court shot in basketball for maturity, right, right. an opening tee shot at a major championship, or maybe leading the seventh inning stretch. Right. Those are just a few examples. If you have, have you done one. any of those before? I have thrown out the first pitch. I have thrown out the first pitch right. too. How did you do? And what did you think? Uh, no, I, I threw it well. I mean, I threw a strike. Where, I didn't throw a, where was I it? It was in like Tampa. Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa, game? and they invited me when the Yankees came there too. And I wanted to be like, you guys know I'm a really big Yankee fan, right? And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Uh, I actually was really nervous for it because it was after my injury and I was not oh. healthy. And the funny thing is, so of course, yeah, lose my spleen. I was getting better, uh, but this was like I think my one of my first times I was actually throwing a ball since I had really gotten hurt. The season ended. I took a little time off from throwing, and I remember warming up to throw the baseball going, what the f*** is wrong with me? I can't control this baseball for the life of me, and I'm about to go throw the f***ing first pitch. Sorry, I'm throwing out F-bombs everywhere. Yeah, that's huh? great. Uh, so, yeah, I was a little nervous about it, but I did get it over. So now I threw out the first pitch twice at a Louisville Bats, like AAA affiliate for the Reds. Right. And the first time, I was so – I was like, man, this is nothing. Like, there's going to be like a few thousand people there whatever. You get out there, and you look around, and then you go – and I was like not going to go in front of the mound. I went on the mound, and I was like – a, this is further than I thought it was going to be, and B, why the hell am I so nervous? Did you ham it up at all? Uh, I did. You, I mean, you know me. I'm not. I'm What'd always, you do? Uh, I, I just I was loose as a goose. Did you throw out the Texas stuff? No, you no. Were. This was all Buck stuff. So I was, you know, of course, the Bucks quarterback at the time, and uh, they were great fans as far as being Bucks fans. I was yeah. pretty excited. And then I that was when I got to meet, uh, you know, Joe Madden too. Of course, now the manager of the Cubs. Sure. And I was like, man, this guy is some cool guy. I was yeah. like, wow. He's different than most baseball guys you meet. Uh, so the, that was cool. It really was. I had broken my wrist, and I took off the brace and, like, showed it to everybody and then dropped it. And, like, I, I like, uh, said no to, like, a few signs. And then I wound up. And for some reason, I, I tossed it to myself and then caught it and then threw it. And it was it – was it got over. It was a ball. Right. Second one, I was late. Like, I was supposed to be there at a certain time, and, like, there was traffic for the live shot. Shocker. And what I, a surprise. Shocker. Shut up. And I get there, and they're like, uh, they kind of, everybody kind of already went, and I was like, I'll just go out there. And I went out there and have time to think, and I, right over the plate. Right. Like, right down the middle. No mind. So just I. Just like Tom Cruise says. Exactly. So no mind. That I think for me, the half court shot would be great because I truly think I would the hit it. The golf tee shot would be the, the most The golf tee shot is the most nerve wracking for all for me. I, what were you saying? See, man, I, I, that's that's, that's the one you feel good at. Right there, yeah. What would be yours? That I'd be scared to? Probably the first pitch because I've never done it. Oh, I've right. never done it. And I and it's a question of manhood. Like when you mess up in a big way, 50 Cent's never going to live that down. Right. Where, Mariah Carey's never going to live that down. Whereas George Bush, the one, first one after oh. 9-11, that fastball right down the middle, like everybody remembers that. That's one. when everyone was like, man, he was a shitty president, but I'll tell you what. That man first pitch. Uh, he was the best. I love George. When, I mean, <laughs> maybe not necessarily as a politician, but I got to know George really well at Texas. Oh, I can imagine. And George. George, Do you have a George W. Bush yeah. story. Oh man, I got I have an autographed frame. Uh, I got a great. I've gotten to play toss with George Bush. Even when I was the starting quarterback in Tampa, he came to a day of practice. We had a toss. Yeah, signed some pictures. That it, they actually sent them to me, like White, White House stationery. He sent me a note, signed it, and the pictures of me and him throwing the football together. But oh, he was hilarious at Texas. As far as uh, you know. 
This is I'm, while he's president. He's, I actually was with him the day he officially got named president in the whole Al Gore Florida debate. You were with him. I was with him that day. So I was the quarterback of the Texas football team. So, so what was he doing with you? Yeah. Right. So off season sometimes. Uh, I might tell the weight coach, hey, like, you know, I, I got a I got an early class this morning and blah, blah, blah. Uh, can you mind if I come in around like one thirty and lift weights or twelve thirty? And yeah. I had earned enough stripes at that point. They're like, yeah, Chris, no problem. And so I would come in and he would be in there. And just it would just hanging out of Texas. He was lifting weights. He because he was the governor of Texas, <laughs> which was right is, down. How much is he putting so up he on was, the bench? He was awesome because this is where we need video because he would literally get off the bench and walk around like he had these huge <laughs> chests. And you know how he does his little walk like he's tough, anyways. So he would do that, uh, and he'd be hilarious. He'd do like one thirty-five, and he'd get up and be like, "Yeah," and he'd like walk around. <laughs> and he'd say, he no, w- but he he could tell he was feeling. Was it, he like, listening to music? Oh well, there was always music playing in there, but we always had great talks. Would he you was, ever bust his balls? Oh, we we really uh, we had a great relationship. I mean, and I would go over there. Hey, you know, m- you know, uh, Mr. Bush, how you doing? Well, Chris, I think today's the day. I think today is the day I've become the president. <laughs> You're gonna hear it a little later today. And I was like, really? And he's like, yep. They got it figured out. I won. <laughs> no, uh, so you knew. I knew before the rest of the world knew that he was going to be president. And then literally the greatest story of all. So when I No, told I think him, that is the greatest that story That is really of all. cool. Yes, I knew he was president before everybody else. <laughs> then when I told you he comes to Tampa as I'm the quarterback there, he comes to Tampa. Of course, he's, they want me, Mike Allstott, Rondé Barber, Gruden, uh, and Bruce Allen's a GM to meet him as he rolls up in his you know Air Force limousine, whatever. Uh, which is unbelievable if you see you. I don't think a bomb could penetrate that thing. Really? Uh, yeah, the door is literally like four th- feet thick. Uh, but so nonetheless, he gets out of the car. And, of course, John Gruden and Bruce Allen are going to go be the oh, first sorry, one. Oh, sorry, exactly yeah. right. He walks right by them. And he goes, Chris Sims, my old Texas buddy. And he just <laughs> blew them off, went right to me. We talked a little bit. Uh, but And, and he, was, he was awesome just – Little another nugget. He was yeah. awesome when you were one on one or one on two, and there were just a few guys there in a small setting. But then he had to speak to the team, the whole team, and then you saw, wait, why can't he speak publicly all of a sudden? Like, what happened? So he would change. He would change a little bit. He like lost his little personality, his mojo. So that day he had to talk to the team, and I think everybody was like, man, that was not very impressive uh, talk. But yet, if You're you got off going, of him, he was great. He's amazing. If you just got over in the corner with him and talked to him, you would love him. Uh, so uh, did he ever say anything to you that you were like, man, that was, that was kind of stupid. Uh, no, no, he did not. Uh, you know, <laughs> That's I, incredible I, stuff, I, grew, I knew his daughters. I mean, they had snipers on top of our facility that day. Wow. Uh, yeah, he, he's a, he's a good guy. I don't necessarily agree with no, everything he, he like did, a, but I mean, he is a good guy. That's what everyone's always, everyone's always said. I want to have a beer with him. Right. Just don't know if I want to. Yeah, to be my want you to run the country. Right? Hey, you know what, though? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that was a cool story. You're right. Yeah. I, I forget about stuff like that sometimes. Yeah, that's it's what the amazing. podcast is here for. Yeah. All right, last one. One more. I mean, I don't know where you go from that. Yeah. <laughs> so let's try and have some. College football is back. Yeah. The defending champions, Ohio State in the Big Ten, where there will be a few head coaching debuts this year, Deep. including that of Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. Now, Lars Anderson wrote a piece for Bleacher Report that came out on Tuesday about the Michigan man. Highly recommend it. Worth your time. There are many fascinating anecdotes and stories that give you insight into Harbaugh's personality. Right. One of them, Jim Harbaugh was on his way to work and once became enamored with a traffic cop. 
watched her work, pulled over, watched her work for 30 minutes directing traffic. My question for you two Was it is, because he found like she was doing she look a good like? job? He said, at the quote in the article, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, but I just love watching people do their jobs at the highest level. Interesting. My question for you two. If you had a half hour to kill, which profession would you most want to intently observe? Ooh, that is a that is a good question. He's not my favorite person, Jim Harbaugh, by the way. Especially, what? just let me tell you that the way he treated me last year when we went there to interview him at training mm. camp. Yeah. What did he do to you? Uh, I'll never forgive him. Uh, let's see. No, uh, well, we interviewed him. It's like one of my first interviews ever. I mean, uh, you know Where me. You had to do. I the had questions. to do the interviews. Right. That's not what I'm doing. I don't want to <laughs> do that. And. We know some of the media guys there in San Francisco, so they made it happen. And I could tell they were really nervous that they even had to ask Jim Harbaugh. And I like the second question I asked him was about Colin Kaepernick's uh, contract. Yeah. And he took his mic off and walked away. And they just said, tell your dad I said hello. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he's not my favorite person. Go Ohio State. That's, I'll just tell you that right there. Uh, because that's not how you treat people. He's a tireless worker. I mean, yeah. there's no, I don't doubt any of that. His passion for football, all that. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm all in as far as that's concerned. But one thing I'm thinking of right now, yeah. after talking with Garrett and Romo about seeing Coach K, I'd like to see Coach K run a practice for right. 30 minutes right. or prepare for a practice. Because yeah. I feel like to hear him talk about how he's going to set things up, um, I'd like to see Obama 30 minutes before a speech. Ooh, that's a good one. I like to see people right before something happens. Yeah, I want to. I would. I would like to see like I would really right here in New York City. I, I want to go. Why? How are the? What are these hedge fund guys doing? Who's the boss of the hedge funds? How are you sitting in an office and making a hundred million a year? What the hell are you doing? What do you know that so I don't what know? What time of the day would you like to see? Like, if I'm going to give you a hedge fund, you're going to learn something. Would you like to see him right when he wakes up? Do you want to see him like when he's making a deal? Yeah, like, yeah, I want to see the deals. I want to see like the first two hours in the office. If I could just hang around those first two hours he walks in the office and, okay, something went wrong with the stock market or yeah. how is he going to handle it? How's, I mean, I don't know. These hedge fund guys, it seems like uh, everybody else loses money. They just keep getting richer. I don't know. So it's One it's other thing I'm thinking is like Charles Barkley – during the games, like I want to watch him for thirty minutes. Is he actually watching, or is he just like holding court, like being the comedian, like all that stuff? Do you got one? Uh, I got. I mean, I can think about a, a couple, but I, one that's less serious. And I just give me a, an awesome chef anywhere. Oh. Like thirty minutes, they're preparing their menu for Rachel the day. Ray. Right? Yeah, going to the farmers kidding. market. <laughs> Watching her, Rachel Ray, pick out what she at the. Well, didn't she have that show Thirty Minutes or Less or something like that? I have no idea. Thirty Minute Meals, yes. I don't know. I just like okay, that's what I'm supposed to look for when I'm picking out my vegetables. I am. I am. I've always been fascinated with how people start their days. Right. Like when I talk to very successful people, I like to say because it's a rough thing in your life. No, it is. I I know. That's I'm not I'm even saying. kidding. No, like, no I, crap. I hit the snooze button. Right. And I know that very successful people do not hit the snooze button. Right. And very successful people, especially the hedge fund guys, yeah. they're up like at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, they're psychos. So then I start thinking, well, if I would like to be successful, then I need to start doing that. Right. So I'll, there's always – it happens once a year. Sure. I'll set my alarm for 4.30. <laughs> I do not hit snooze faster than that day. Uh. Dude, I am so funny with that stuff. Like, I want I want to be – the the captain tryhards. Right. I want to. Like I like the whole phrase take it day by day. Focus on your job. Do all those things. Be excellent. Work hard. I completely agree. I see it. 
but it's just I, hard for I, you to put it in action. I like I like to also enjoy life. Yeah, I, I like weird. I like sporadic things. Um, it's understandable. Speaking of sporadic and enjoying life, Rayos. My my dad comes up to me and he goes, "Man, that story about is there really a place like that called Re- like that?" that I had a, like that? one of my friends from college texted me and said, "Can Sims get me into Rayos?" And yeah. I was like, "Are you out of your mind?" <laughs> like he told a story about getting kicked out of the table on yeah. the podcast. Right. So how did the dinner go? It was awesome. Yeah, it was. It's so a, who was the crew? Okay, so the crew was uh, of course me, my father, uh, Boomer Boomer Esiason, yeah. Bo Deedle, who I have told you about, who is in rare form as always. Uh, Steve Rosner, Frank Vuno, who represent my dad and Boomer yeah. and, and myself. Uh, let's see. And then uh, uh, other people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, there was other people. Uh, yes, one of the uh, – I'm not even going to go there with the other people. That anyway, it. Anyways, the, tell, tell me what it was like. Because so, obviously you were very excited for it. Well, uh, Bo, was, Bo Deedle's the last one there, which is usual. We expect that. So, so it's his table, but you're all walking Yeah, in. and I mean it's one of these – it's literally like it's on the corner there, 115th Street. Uh, there's a park right across the way and you're in Harlem, of course. Uh, and it's like just a little few steps and you walk into this little bottom corner restaurant. It's not big. It's not extravagant. Uh, but it's all like hey, Italian guys just hanging out on the steps and like, Oh, you're coming into our restaurant. Oh, hey, Chris Sims. Hey, old Phil. Hey, and they got stuff and we sign a few things, whatever else. Uh, let's see. We saw Steven Ross that night, owner of the Miami dolphins. He walked in, um, <laughs> But then, you know, Bo Dito walks in, of course, probably about 20 minutes late, and he gets the show started right away. And he's dressed to a T. I mean, probably like a $3,000 suit. Uh, you know, he's got what the is tie he doing on. For cash right and well, I don't know. He's got a lot of cash in his pocket. I know. He pulls that out. Holy and, moly. But right away, How he's, hungry was your dad? Uh, oh, dad was starving. <laughs> right, because he said he wasn't going to eat They like, starve themselves. Yes, they all, they, they all do. They all starve themselves. And they have to all wait day. 20 minutes. Yeah, they have to wait that for Bo Dito. Insufferable. And, and Bo comes right in, right? You know, he's not politically, you know, it's same thing as always. We don't got any uh, pussies here, do we? Uh, yeah, yeah, just bring it all out. But, you know, Because his table is right by the kitchen, too. So I was literally could see in the kitchen as I was eating. They play some old school music. You see some true characters in there. Uh. Um, of course, a lot of them are big money. Uh, but it is just an unbelievable environment. And then the food is top notch, whether it be. How much did you eat? Oh my gosh, I ate a lot. I was in a coma. Like I really was. Even the next morning, I was like, "Who did more damage, you or, or Big Phil?" I think I did. Yeah, I, I went at it pretty hard. I mean, what I was, was eating stuff like I, I don't eat cheesecake, and yet I eat Rayo's cheesecake. That stuff, really? Yeah, I don't know what they put crack in eggplant there. Eggplant parmesan. I eat. I don't eat eggplant parmesan, but at Rayo's, I do. I, that just tells you. You know I what? I, know. I just realized something. Um, I was watching. There's a Chicago Bear. He's, he's his Twitter name is the 300 pound vegan. And apparently, like, he's, he's a vegan and all right. this stuff. He's a defensive lineman. And I saw him being interviewed, and they said, well, what do you eat? And he said, you know, every day for, like, uh, breakfast, it's, like, super light. Lunch, rice and beans. Right. And I just thought of me. And I started to realize, I go, dude, is Chris Sims a vegan? <laughs> no. You're kind of eating vegan. I, I, I do have a lot of that as well. But, I mean, I ate three hamburgers last night at Nine uh, o'clock at night, so eat that. Vegan. Can they make vegan hamburgers? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they can. They probably taste like crap, but I will not be going there. Uh. <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was like, Chris Sims could be a vegan, but I feel like him calling himself a vegan. No, you would not be I, I, I don't eat nearly as much meat as I used to, but I still eat. Uh, I still eat a few steaks a week and a few hamburgers. How much did that bill come up to? At uh, it was over two thousand. It was so, <sighs> but you have to pay all cash too at Reyes. They don't. You don't mess around. Yeah, it's all cash. There's did no you credit. show up with cash in your pocket? I did, but I knew. 
knew that that wasn't going to be asked yeah, of him. Was there a part, like, was there any part you were like, oh, man, I'm going to have to reach for this uh, just to pretend I'm reaching for my, it? So my agent, and they picked it up for the most part. I think my dad paid the tip. He looked at me for a second. <laughs> I just looked at him back. I was like, yeah, I'm not. These are all these rich people at this table, the hell with you guys. You're paying. That's awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, I would have been like, oh, oh, you got there we, first. We, we do need to go. It would be awesome. And if you can't go, you need to just take, like, just sit at the bar. Sit at the bar. Try to go so sit So you there. think you're really cool with Rayos, and yeah. there was one restaurant you couldn't get into, which was Carbone. Right. Well, that so was what my is, sister. So what, what is but, Carbone? Carbone is Italian, but I don't know much about Carbone other than that we've heard phenomenal things. And so what? Was, so you thought you were going to enter your family or I, your sister? I really didn't know anything about it until we were going to go out to dinner with my sister, her husband, and another couple. And my wife's like, uh, oh yeah, Deirdre wants to go to Carbone. I was like, Carbone? I was like, I, I don't even know what that is, but I've heard a lot of people say that's like impossible to get into. But my sister will call and be like, hi, this is Deirdre Sims. Uh, my dad's Phil Sims. Um... Used to play quarterback for the Giants. I was wondering if you got any um, reservations for 10 people tomorrow. <laughs> like, that's my sister. She's not in realistic world. Uh, and she's pulled it off before. It's worked for her before? Uh, yeah, she's pulled it off before. What's the most ridiculous thing that she's dropped Phil's name like, to get into? Like, Lavo, like when it was hot over there, yeah. uh, right here on, in Midtown. Uh, yeah, it's on Midtown. So it's like East 60th, maybe? It, I think it's in the 50s, but yeah. yeah. 50s, right, right by Tau. But so Lavo's Carbone, like... Go ahead. I was going to say, Carbone, if you tried to call today and get a re- reservation for 7 o'clock, right. they probably would tell you you can't get one for another two right. months. No, you would act- I months. think you would yeah. need Big Phil to call himself. and they'd Well, be like, apparently you don't need Big Phil so because Josh Fendrick Josh's went to Carbone. But his go- Josh's girlfriend called a she month in advance. Yeah. She yes. called a month and a half but, in advance. But Josh Fendrick got into Carbone right. before the, the Sims, Sims family. family. I don't give a crap. Yeah, he how, doesn't give a damn. How was Carbone? It was amazing. Right. It was spectacular. Yeah. It was really good. Was there... Was it like worth the the month two months? One hundred percent. Well, she didn't tell me that we were going until like a day before, so yeah. I didn't know. So she called in the beginning of July, and then we went for my birthday at the end of August. But like the f- the food was amazing, one of the best meals I've ever had. The best thing about Rayos with Bo Dito that was also the day that Jared, the Subway guy, got <gasps> thrown into jail. And he was he doing was Subway stuff. So of course I busted him on that. Uh, you know, I was constantly throwing out like, "Hey, you've been hanging out with Jared lately? What's been going yeah, on? What, what was he saying? Uh, you, hey, hey, watch it, you fucking youngster." <laughs> <laughs> did he did he meet Jared? Like, did he know him? Uh, yeah. Was he shocked I, by it? I, I don't know if he was shocked, but I know he did like one or two commercials with him or whatever. But he is a character. We're going to get him on a podcast so people oh can put gosh. the face. He'll he'll come in and do We're it. We're going to bring Bo Deedle into the office. Yeah, he would he's going to come in I a three piece suit, and it's going to be great. He, he will. S- he sounds like a guy who likes to be on camera. Uh, oh yeah, he's not shy ever. And I mean, you know, the funny thing is, he this is the kind of guy he is. I I say things like that. Hey, you seen you seen what's his name yeah. from Subway? Hey, watch it, you fucking youngster, and he'll like he'll pull back his his coat and he's got like a 45 on his waist so he's, oh he's packing there as when we there have bo deedle i want him to, to break down how a man should dress because i think he'll give a good dissertation on style right and then we're gonna oh he's gonna love the fact that he can curse on the podcast yes sir he will um we, this is episode 28 episode 28 in the books marshall Hol- falk in Hol- the books i was gonna say corell buckhalter but you win marshall <laughs> marshall falk's a little bit better i played with corell he's a good dude though he is a good dude um episode 28 is done episode 29 prime time video we are gonna be on video you're gonna see nelson's beautiful face sims's beautiful face my slightly average face your tony romo body they're gonna get tony to see romo it. body and uh, we got some fun guests. I don't want to say it in case they don't show up. Are they so. going to see Josh? 
Josh will be there too. Yeah, Josh has to be seen. I Josh, mean, yeah. Mother Hen has to be known to the world. Just a little bit. I'm not going to appear very much. Yeah, just don't worry. Every so often. I'm just going to hold your neck in the way of the camera every now I, and then. Will you bring him some LeBrons to stomp oh, around? That'd be funny. It's, it's on my to-do list. Yeah. I'm going to take this opportunity right now to thank everyone who's been subscribing, downloading, listening, participating in the Sims and Lefko podcast. You're part of the reason why it's gotten to this point and it's going to go on to video. I saw Mark Bajent was tweeting at us about, hey, man, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to send you stuff. Bajent, we love you. Um, hit us up on Twitter, at Sims and Lefko. Use the hashtag Sims and Lefko. Next week, coming to you at video for Nelson. Shoots, brother. For Sims. See ya. Be good. For Fendi. Later, everybody. I'm Lefko. Have a great day, brother.